All right, what's good? It's Wednesday, April 24th. It's episode three of the Mobcast. I'm randomly hanging out in Portland this week, so I'm doing this remotely. But none of that matters because I'm lucky to have Nuki joining me for this episode. Nuki is, of course, British Hurricanes team manager. She was or is, I don't even know how that title carries over, but Nuki was the general manager of Team Germany for Overwatch World Cup this past year. She is, let's see, what else? She's queen and sole ruling authority of EU Overwatch. She's honestly, I don't know too many people who have, let's see, you're probably the longest tenured like staff member for an Overwatch team at this point, right? I'm not even sure about that, but I still hate you for putting up Queen because you know that I hate that title. Whatever, you're the, every single Discord that I'm in with you, you are the Queen title in there, so you're the Queen of EU Overwatch, whether you like it or not. <sighs> Got it? Thanks for joining me. What's up? Not much. Um, just uh, coming out of practice. We, we scrimmed a tiny bit today, so feeling good. Did you guys actually scram or did you see that runaway lost and you know that you guys are now clearly the best team in the world and you really don't need to practice that much? <laughs> we actually scrummed and I still think that uh, Shoes Money Crew would definitely put up a good fight against Runaway. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Bring the I memes. don't even know where that meme's coming from, but I just use it. So well, we're going to get to it. We're going to go all the way back through for, uh, we'll talk about where all that meme came back. from. We'll thank Sideshow. We'll thank Wolf and we'll thank everybody for... <laughs> in the community who keeps pushing that forward. Okay, so I was thinking about where to go with this, and um, so I'm really excited to talk about Hurricane because you guys, well, a couple things. You guys are having an awesome season. Uh, You have Mm -hmm. Grand Finals coming up against Angry Titans for Contenders next week, and now you've also qualified for the Atlantic Showdown, which is going to be a super dope tournament. Can't wait for that to start. And again, we'll talk about that uh the whole sideshow wolf meme but i want to just go back jump back a little ways first to get a little bit of background for those who might be listening who might not be familiar with you since it's now abundantly clear that no one watches eu contenders right so let's start beginning of 2018 give everyone a quick refresher on how you got involved with british hurricane initially because um yeah, again, we talked about it. You're probably the longest tenured person who's working with like an Overwatch org now. Tell us about how that got started. Um, it basically got started as I was asked by two players um, if I could help them build an open division team. I was vastly known amongst players for my work with certain tournaments I helped run. Um, first of all, I ran my own tournament in the beginning of 2017 and then worked for Blizzard for Contender Season 0, World Cup, and TakeOver. Um, and so mm-hmm. everybody in the youth scene or like every player in the youth scene was pretty familiar with myself. So they asked me, hey, we know you're good at organizing things. Would you like to help us build a team for Open Division? Because Open Division literally just dropped. And so, yeah, they wanted to participate and they wanted to qualify for contenders because who doesn't? <laughs> so I uh, took it on myself uh, together with Shifty, which they recruited to, um, to build the first iteration of a team that was later called Those Guys, which was the Nightmare of Casters 2017 <laughs> and 2018. Um, it began to, to form, and um, when we were about to finish our roster, we... I more or less build a sponsor deck or a team deck, however you want to call it, like a small PowerPoint presentation of all of the players and their achievements and what lands they played for in Overwatch and what their like placements were and some fancy little uh, column of Winston's lab stats that they have. This Shut player up, has compared to other players from Contender Season 0 this and this more percentage of ultimate gain or this player hit more hatch like twenty percent more headshots than this equal player from Contender Season Zero's top ten teams and stuff like that. I literally pulled out a query on Winston's Labs and let like Yiska and Baroy help me with that and put like a little like a few stats, like two or three stats um of every player there. 
in comparison to players that played in Contender season one, 2017, I think it was. Okay, so um, who was with that roster? Was that like the first iteration of what would later become Hurricane? Yeah, that was the. It was literally the first iteration before. Like we, you had some changes after we pitched that roster. Let me let me pull it up real quick because it's actually really interesting. I still have the deck here, uh, in my in my drive folder somewhere. There you go. Um, it was fusions, Huffy, Craggy, Visilities, Crusade, Funny Astro, and Buck. Funny Astro was added pretty late because that was something when we were in talks with C9. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was literally just the first iteration minus Kip plus Visilities. Um, but Visilities later um, decided to join um, uh, August and Hungry, it was, I think. So Fusions was on this team too, right? Yeah, Fusions Fusions was one of our earliest pickups actually. Like we had a core like we started with a core of Craggy and Henzu, which was a um former Flex DPS player, then became a Flex Tank player, um, which uh played in Contender Season Zero and One with a team called Vivi's Adventure. Oh, okay. Um, yep. He was basically their team captain and, and played with them. And those two were like the initial was the initial core. And Fusions was our, I think Crusade was our third pickup, then Fusions, then Bok, or Bok and Fusions were roughly the same time. And the last one was uh, was Hafi and Kip. Yeah, and that's, Visility did go to Orglis. That was Morte and then yeah. Finzi, uh, Cruz exactly. were there. Yeah. So from this stage, I sent the sponsor deck to different uh, CEOs or like GMs I knew. I sent it to Joe from Misfits. I sent it to Jack. I sent it to, um, I think, which was NYXL at that time, like the the leadership of NYXL, and like to to Dignitas, we sent it um, some endemic orcs just to basically to sell. Hey, we are a pretty good team right now. Let's uh, let's see if we can make something happen for contenders. And that all didn't really work out. Like I didn't get back uh, from any of them, and then suddenly. Um, Actually, Stylosa connected me with C9 because he was their, in quotation marks, British consultant <laughs> at that time for Spitfire. And Stylosa and I go way back because I helped him um, record some some pro POVs when I did the pro packs. Mm-hmm. Back when we literally tested new stuff like Doomfist and Mercy Changes and stuff on PTR. Um, I gave him some video footage so he can like have it in his videos and so we got to know each other and stuff. And he introduced me to Dan. Which then got into talks with me and I think two other teams for their academy spot. And I think I was sympathetic enough <laughs> and driven enough to show him that I really wanted and that they should hire us. And that's how we came to C9. And then you became British Hurricane and you yeah. went on to, let's see, so you won the first season of Contenders, right? You exactly. Beat, yeah. You beat, well, First season of 2018 contenders. You beat Giganti yes. 4 3 in the finals. Mm, that was then, a super close match. Yes. And then after that, you beat, you're really kind of the first team that beat Fusion University. Fusion University. You know, it wasn't, doesn't yeah. get recognized. But it, but, was a, it was a show match, yeah. so it doesn't get any credit or anything. You guys owned that 2018 season one contenders conversation, and then things took a little bit of a I guess you can call it like a downturn in season two. You guys had... I would call it a dive. <laughs> okay, good. Um, you guys had a really rough season, which was crazy because you really had like almost the same roster, right? You added... Mm-hmm. Who did, you added Nesh. I, did you... Was he there? Uh, we added... Two? Yeah, we added uh, Nesh for Craggy. Craggy was uh, removed from the roster after season one. So you add Nesh and then you wind up finishing bottom... I guess it's bottom two of your group. Yeah. Which had to suck because like at that time it was thought of that, oh, an academy team could never, there'd never be a situation where an academy team would get relegated. I think there was actually a, an NA contenders team that that might have happened to, too. Was it GGEA? Did they like... Yeah, there was some them? some pretty weird stuff with GGEA happening at that oh, is, time. Oh, is I that think. right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so you guys sort of hit a wall. And at that point, you're trying to 
really just requalify for contenders after season two. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that experience, I guess the morale of the team, maybe how you sort of helped to handle the mental there. And and also, I guess you can talk about around that time, that's probably when like Fusions and Funny Astro were starting to get scouted too, right? Yeah. Like, it was, sort of like it was going into the World later. Cup maybe? Yeah, it was a tiny bit later um, when they got scouted. The World Cup was a tiny bit later than... Um, than the contender season two. Right. So you have um, to basically like not just like requalify for contenders, but you're also sort of in the process, like you know behind the scenes that they're trialing. They could be leaving. Mm-hmm. You might have to be trialing someone else. How did you sort of, I guess, write the ship going into uh season three after everything that had happened in season two? So after season two we had to basically try to reset the mentality of the team completely. Because there was this typical like this person's fault, this person's fault, this person is bad. Uh, we don't want to play with this person, blah, 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 blah. And I think back then it was Albion and I because Shifty Shifty left due to burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried to basically try to handle these conversations literally every second day or so. Um, and trying to build up faith in those particular players with the team again was a really, really hard task. Um, we found some some compromise and we found some some help with it and we got people to actually trust each other again, which was a really lengthy process. But then going into like when it got when it got better and better, people saw that it wasn't as bad as they thought. Of course, we removed some players. I think there was a time when we removed Crusade, for example, um, and got uh, and got Funny Astro in full time, which helped a lot at that point. Like Astro was a really positive um, positive force in the team that helped carry the mentality up again. Um, and I think one of the hardest parts of this was splitting up groups a tiny bit or like not let I think it's a problem that many unsponsored teams or like in teams in general basically have that at one point when you have a bad season or like a really really bad like um like time to play mm-hmm. you have these these small groups that form in your team where they basically try to get each other out almost like little clicks um, yeah, like like little clicks, like basically in high school <laughs> when you had like these three mean girls like just pounding on that one nerdy girl. Um, I think that's a problem that many people have that they think like that they cannot really, they don't know where the line is between these players are upset and that's a really big issue. Like for example, we we had a player that was like really, really heavily criticized by the team. What I like to do is, like, after every season in Hurricane, um, I run a feedback round where every player gives me anonymously, like, per DM, feedback about everyone else in the team, players, staff, myself included, um, because I'm, like, the neutral middle ground all the time. Mm-hmm. So they can actually criticize me, and they do actually criticize me. You're Switzerland. Um, and then <laughs> I'm basically Switzerland. I'm not that far from Switzerland, actually. True. Um <laughs> and so so I do like this um this end of season feedback document, one for the team and one for the org. With the org a bit more detail than the team, but anyhow, um it helps yourself to evaluate performance of players, not only performance of players, but also um what you can do that the team might get another perspective of a player when you know what exactly the problems is they have with them. And you try to not give the feedback directly to those players. You try to package it very anonymously and like general. So they basically don't know where it's coming from. Because if you do like, oh, this player said you suck at aim. And this player said your positioning on Widow is really bad. And then you basically put a target on their back. And then there's conflict again. So... As a team manager, you have you basically have to be Switzerland at that point, um, and you also have to take all the shit. From so the you're like the money launderer. You're like the cleaner that you take all the feedback <laughs> and you clean it up so that nobody can figure out where it's coming from, and then you dish basically, it back out yeah. to the players. Um, player feedback mostly together with the coaches, but in general, yeah. 
especially I'm especially um tasked to do um to do communication feedback when players are not nice towards each other or when players have like attitude issues and stuff. Um but yeah, I I try to I try to be basically the catalyst for that. So um if we have a tough decision that players rather get mad at me than the person who actually like is involved in the decision because I stand up for them basically. That makes sense because why I get end, so much negative decision. feedback about you from the players then. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So much negative feedback. I, I, I think I think they know that where it's where it's going to. And I think that's one of the reasons why they respect me so much. So you think this process sort of helped kind of rectify the situation after after season two? And you needed to Definitely. to build yourselves back up to we had to go through trials to requalify, right? I think so. Like we stuck with most of the roster because we as a coaching staff and as a as a staff in general believed in most of the roster because we saw improvements, even though on some of them they were slow. Um and it was basically just a task of the players gaining trust to those people again, and which we did pretty okay, I think. Like before, I think we were also not maybe not on peak performance, but on a very high performance level before the people got into our like Kib, uh, Kib and Fusions and Astral even. Right, and so, so they left after you got to actually play trials with them, right? Uh, we got to play trials with, I think Kib was all the way through trials, and Astro and Fusions left. I think one or two games before trials ended and then you picked up let's see you got numlocked at that point numlocked right? and yofi yeah numlocked, numlocked yofi, and, yofi. and you added later we added done it for uh kip yes and then you also added dream onto the staff too right yes dream was also a pickup before season three and so going into that season like you know numlocked is a huge addition um you guys sort of were a little up and down through that season do I have this right? Did you, did it go like right up until the last week in season three in terms of knowing whether or not you were going to qualify for playoffs? Did you like have to win that last game of the regular I season? Think so. I think I remember it being think, like close because I, I think pretty... that you guys went into playoffs. You ended up with like a really bad draw because then you have to play Gaganti first round. Yeah, I think, I think we placed pretty mid to lowish within the regular season and then had to play Giganti, yeah. Yeah. And um, what was, which was a really good game, actually. Like It was one of the best games that season. Yeah, we had some ups and downs towards, uh, because of the like the new additions and then Kip leaving basically in week two, I think, where we had to play with the Ringer before we could acquire mm-hmm. Dennett. So there was a tiny bit of, of up and down and you had to build synergy again with a new DPS player that replaced Kip, which was one of our star players. So, yeah. That was basically the struggle in season three, but I think we managed pretty okay um, regarding the circumstances. So that was basically the the foundation that we had building up for season one, two thousand nineteen. It was kind of like very similar to like the the arc, I guess, that your season took in season three was very similar to what happened with like Team Envy in NA, where there were like a lot of really good players on the team, but they were kind of just put together that season. And it took them a little while to gel, but you could tell like sort of maybe in like the week heading into contenders playoffs. And then also in once you actually got to contenders playoffs, I thought both teams like were really starting to to mesh and and gel together. And you could see like even when you guys played Giganti, even though you lost, um, you really looked like even though it was the first round, probably like the second strongest team. So you guys had to have known probably internally that like you guys were close to Giganti now and probably you were all really, I'm assuming you were all like counting the days down to like 2019 season one where you can actually get back out there and, and prove yourself again, right? Yeah, I think one of the one of the core elements of like building the team up again, but uh, or more or less the improvements that we had was the coaching staff at that time. I think we did a really good job in basically um, building synergy week to week. So it looked like we got better like every week. You added Nox at that time too, right? When did Nox join? So yeah, Nox Nox joined with Dream together for season three. Okay, and then so going into I guess you're looking at now moving forward, season one, twenty nineteen. Not too many things to fill in. You um Nesh leaves, you add Suna and 
Sparker, who are both essentially hit scan players. Suna is someone who has experience in the like actual contenders experience. So he's been starting with you guys, but then you also add this latter player, Sparker, who is younger, but um, is someone who I think you had told me previously that Haffy was really high on, right? Yeah, definitely. The guys met him in um, in ranked, basically on ladder, and told me that he's like really nutty and that people actually think he's cheating in uh, in ranked. <laughs> so um, yeah, <laughs> it was a. I I don't think. I, I don't want to say it was a no-brainer pickup, but it was definitely something like if my players get excited about someone, I know that it's a potential that there is a hidden gem, basically. This is also part of scouting, like listening to your players on like it, it can be a two-sided sword, right? Because either you listen when you listen to your players, you have like some of the oh, it's my friend, so I want to have him on, or you can have like like this was Sparkle, like where people don't know him and he's just really good at ladder, and they're like. Hey, this player is really good, and you talked about like wanting a developmental player for season one. Maybe we can look into this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I could see how sometimes. I mean, that happens a lot where when you let the players sort of run everything, that you don't know if they're bringing in their friends, you don't know if it's nepotism, you don't know how objective they're being when they're trying mm-hmm. to recommend someone. But yeah, he seems to definitely be working out. I mean, Suna's obviously getting the majority of the playtime, and he looks like one of the best, if not the best, Zarya in in EU right now. And so you guys have, to this point, I mean, you've been undefeated this whole season. Uh, last two matches, you've looked really dominant. You dropped a map to Angry Titans. That was kind of like that really hyped match that that last week of the season. You dropped... It was the coffee Yeah, map. it was Lee Jong. Yeah, it was it the was, first map. It was warm-up. <laughs> it was pretty close. And then you guys just absolutely stomped them the rest of the way. It was like... I don't know if it was three full holds. I don't know. Okay, so it wasn't a full hold on King's Row, but I mean, it was like, a, I think you stalled them out on streets and then you had like a full hold on Horizon maybe. And then I remember Junkertown that uh, that you guys finished it on. Junkertown was really close. Was was almost almost not a full hold. <laughs> well. I think it was like on the verge of like getting into a point or pushed into Yeah, point. well, you guys also point. ran. I remember you ran some kind of like crazy... Did you run like a quad? I think you ran like a quad tank attack after you had like held them on point A. You guys tried pushing out in like a quad tank and their widow was just destroying you for a while. But then I want to say that with like a minute <laughs> left, you guys were finally able to uh, to push it through. Now that was that was such a hype game. So, yeah. And I remember thinking like this, you know, these are the two undefeated teams. Um, whoever wins this is probably going to be on social making a claim that they're the best team in the world and sure enough you guys didn't even have to do that because this is another thing i wanted <laughs> well sideshow and wolf People have... did it for us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um i know volamel was talking about it i had mentioned it trying to prop up eu and sideshow was doing it too and by the way credit to sideshow for actually after making the case he's been streaming like these Eight or twelve-hour streams the last couple of days. Yeah. Actually, going back and doing VOD review of of Runaway and he's comparing us, kind of right. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, saw I like... didn't I didn't catch too many of those. Like I caught like an hour or so yesterday where he was on I think on Volskaya with with us versus uh, Titans, but no, it was us versus Giganti yesterday. Um, but he is actually doing comparisons, right? Yeah, the conclusion I think he sort of arrived at was that he thinks that looking at Runaway, they might be a team with like better. Uh, individual skilled players, but especially like in this meta where it's so heavily built on like communication, he thought that you guys were a team that like focused. I mean, you play around the Reinhardt a lot more, and I think he said that he felt like there, like the team synergy is just much more apparent in uh, in EU. Like the communication, it seems like teams are aware of like mm-hmm. they go into team fights knowing exactly what they want to do, who they're looking to focus. Ult usage is a lot more consistent. Um, a lot of times, like in in KR, you have these like what feels like these random the way they use support ults there. It's sort of not even like always like tempo where they're looking to make the attack. Sometimes it just feels like their support ults get baited out a lot easier. So I think that was the conclusion that he arrived at. But it doesn't even matter anyway because Runaway just lost today. So by default, you guys are now the best team in tier two in the world. <laughs> is that the default? Is that how it how works, it works for me? So congratulations, congratulations, to your players, the staff, well deserved. <laughs> No need to finish out the season. You guys are the best. <laughs> I'm, I uh, I get back to you on that 
during the gauntlet. You, you don't have to comment. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no. So let's talk about May 3rd, next Friday, right? Yeah, that's the final. So you guys are playing Angry Titans. It's a rematch. We were just talking about that rematch. match. You guys are going to be on a new patch, though, right? Going to be playing with, with Baptiste. So it's basically the current Owl patch, right? Yeah, should be. It's the same patch as we played against um, against Shoes. Do you think that patch changes anything about the matchup with Titans? Mm, I'm not too sure about that. Like the one point that our team was always really good at was flexibility, and I think we still we still own that kind of um, where we can play like different play styles and different comps pretty well. Because mm, now it's our you guys can... just play tanks. Did you ever see a Happy Fire? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a Happy Fire. I've seen a Happy Sombra too. And I actually saw a Mad Happy last week because I think I talked to you about this. I don't think Happy realized at first that I was joking or being sarcastic when I was talking about him on a video I did. <laughs> Your voice was so monotone. <laughs> That's my sarcasm. People just don't pick up on it. But if Happy, you're listening, I, well, I already did apologize, but I think you're truly deserving of Al. And I apologize that that did not come out. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, just little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's so funny that Haffy's hero pool is so suitable for this meta right now, and that they're just, I mean, I'm not going to name People players in Owl, him. but there are a number yeah. of teams who seem to be having some trouble with some of their uh, off tanks right now, and it's kind of funny how, in my opinion, Haffy's hero pool is just so suitable to exactly what you need, and, and he has so much experience too. It's just, I don't know, I hope he gets, I hope he gets an opportunity at some point, because he definitely deserves it. He does. He definitely does. Like him and Bok are the one, like the two longest standing players in the team. And I think they both deserve, definitely deserve shots at Owl, even though <laughs> Bok always says they think I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, plus, he, what isn't uh, Bok? It's like a, is he a doctor or a dentist or something? He is, he is a doctor. Like he was a vet. Um, and he served in. There's a uh, fun uh, player cards. On I remember Twitter reading that you it. Can yeah. Have uh, have uh, read facts off, by the way. No, but he isn't practicing anymore. So I think everybody is like because because he was still practicing when he started out with us. I think everybody's under the conception. Oh, he doesn't want to quit his job because of it. But he actually isn't practicing anymore right now. So hit him up for owl, please. You heard it here. That's actually really good because I feel like. The way scouting kind of works in this scene, it is really uh, hearsay. It is so scuffed. Often, and yeah, it, hearsay. Like there are people who like don't get consideration because rumors go around, or you think that they're doing one thing, you think they have this plan or that plan, or they're signing with this yeah, team. But not even that. But also like rumors about like attitude that they had maybe a year ago, two years ago. Are you trying to tell like, me that people... pocket was a problem? No, Buck's <laughs> never a problem. Buck is one of the most consistent players I've ever had on the team, both mentally and play-wise. You, you want to I mean, have a consistent player pick him up? I don't know. <laughs> you can pretty much make the case that anyone on that roster right now, I mean, obviously I think Sparker's younger, but how old is how old is Yofi? Yofi is 19. He is eligible for all. I think it's only Zuna and Sparker that are not eligible yet. Because I think you can honestly make the case that really anyone on that that's starting with that team is at the very least worthy of picking getting up, owl picking trials, up right? the core, picking up the core of Namlock, Hafi, and Bok would be like a perfect core for starting to build an owl team. Unfortunately, we're not going to be building new owl teams next season, but sadly, you never know. Some of these current rosters might want to jettison Someone some of the core? dead weight. <laughs> I think some of these teams need more than a new core. I think they need a new everything going all the way up to staff, but we'll talk about that later too. Um, <laughs> or actually, you know, why don't we just go into that? We just want to jump there. Let's just jump into that right now. Because recently, I want to say like in the last couple of weeks, there have been a couple, I shouldn't even say a couple, a lot of people in the scene, whether it's players, staff, community, have kind of gone out there and basically thrown your name in, in the hat for you for, you know, a potential like a team manager or a general manager position in Overwatch League. Um, I've seen, honestly, so many people. I still don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> it's, it's coming even from people that I don't have too much contact <laughs> with, actually. Like, like NA people, like, like Avast. Like I, was, I was seeing the tweet from Avast. I was like, oh, what? We don't talk that much. <laughs> well, he's Avast is someone who's 
you know, a lot closer to the tier two scene right now with, with casting. So I'm sure yeah. he's talking to a lot of people. But yeah. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork. I mean, it's, it's your players, um, staff, people who have been involved in the Overwatch scene. I mean, you, it, it's no secret, like you've been involved in the Overwatch scene since basically day one and have played a role. You've been like tournament administrator, mm-hmm. um, not just in Overwatch, obviously in other games too, you have a lot of experience with that. You have a lot of experience with, you've been running British Hurricane for, for from day one. We talked about that. One and a half years almost. Wow. It's, it's impressive how, how fast time goes, right? You've done a lot of other, I mean, you helped with, you, you helped set up the, the Hulktastic Cup, right? For, for Internet mm-hmm. Hulk. Um, yeah. You've just been involved with the scene so much. You've developed a lot of really good relationships with players, with staff, community, um, a lot of the different orgs. And so I think a lot of people are kind of, again, throwing your name in the hat for, um, for the next step. So, which I really appreciate. Like, I wanna, I wanna take this to thank all of you guys again. I know I did it on Twitter already, but it's literally overwhelming. I was sitting there not knowing what's happening. <laughs> it's gotta feel really good, I imagine, right? I was in Berlin at that time. I was like traveling to Berlin for the esports summit and for TwitchCon at that time, and like my phone kept buzzing and buzzing, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing with this? Like, I'm so overwhelmed. What, what can I say? Should I tweet something? I don't know." So what do you, th- so, what do you, so nice. what's your next, I mean, obviously, and, and to be very clear, like I, I talked to you a decent amount. Um, mm. I know that you get a ton of support from C9. Like there's, it, it seems like whenever you're, you're mentioned that, that someone from C9 is kind of like retweeting or, or um, signal boosting it with sort of their own comments, you know, praising you. I know we just had like International Women's Day when C9 was talking about you. I see a lot of like the upper level, like the executive staff there um, seem to have a lot of like really nice things to say about you. And I'm sure love having you on there. And I know from talking to you that you're really happy there. But there's also like, let's say that an opportunity were to present itself with Overwatch League, um, whether it's like, again, like a GM or a player manager, or team manager, all different things that I think you'd absolutely be qualified to do. Um, what are your thoughts on on taking the next step? What are some and I guess also like a 1A or 1B of that. Um, what do you think like your, in terms of your experience with Hurricane and in the scene, um, what are some things that you do with Hurricane that maybe you feel like would be helpful at the next level too? Oh, that's a toughie. Uh, the thing is, I've, I've been, since, since I got those endorsements, I'm, I've been thinking about that pretty regularly and pretty often the last few weeks. And I still didn't come to a, really big conclusion on it like i would love to i would love to be in the league and i would love to basically be in la be together with everyone that i know and having a life there but on the other hand like you said i just really love what i'm doing at cloud nine and love my players and love giving them the opportunities that they deserve and trying to work towards it and so I'm I'm kind of on the fence right now on what's what's the right thing for me. Like there's so many up and downsides to both of those that give me the feels on on either of them. So basically, you are focusing on Hurricane right now. You're focusing on Titans next week. On then going. What about mm. how about we we move here really quickly? What are your thoughts on the Atlantic Showdown? I think the concept of the tournament is really nice. So having two play uh, like two teams from either region and then one from South America, like I don't know, it's three from NA, it's two from Europe, three from NA, and one from South America. I think it's a really, really great concept to have more international competition. I think that's what basically what was super missed in the last few years because the only international competition was the World Cup, and the World Cup was only being super competitive last year. Because before it was it was not a really good system of how the good teams were built. I think it will help not only for exposure, I think it also will help like L teams to evaluate regions a tiny or I hope it helps L teams to evaluate regions a tiny bit better. I was actually talking to someone today who had mentioned that they were talking to like one of the Overwatch League coaches who had said that they were actually planning on attending um one of these showdowns in person so oh that's really nice kudos to i guess blizzard number one for finally realizing that it would help to schedule you know one of these big stage land events for the tier two scene differently in between like overwatch league stuff so 
because one of the big complaints that you always get is, and again, going back to scouting, it is so difficult for some of these Overwatch League teams. Like, I guess this is even a further tangent. I was talking to someone the other day and we were saying how like, it's not really a surprise why you have these like tier two teams, like like Second Wind, for example, right? Who Mm -hmm. are so good at scouting and you wonder why like Overwatch League teams don't just like pick up some of like, figure out who it is that's doing a lot of the identification and talent development there. And you realize that like at the tier two level, like that's such a key component of the team staff there. Like you have to be able to identify talent and you also have to be able, especially if you're like not a, like academy team being able to both identify and develop it um it's not something that when you think about like the overwatch league teams really have to do that much or that they're like that their staff is like set up for a lot of the times it feels like their their staff it's like really just working with the the day-to-day of the players there and trying to improve them i don't think that they're at least most of the teams are really outfitted to also have this other arm of the organization be scouting tier two talent so i think that this is going to be really nice for the tier two scene i'm hoping that blizzard and um you know overwatch league 2 will help to kind of market this in a way where it gets the most amount of exposure possible but regardless i think that it's going to play out uh for scouting purposes it's going to be really helpful and it seems like a lot of the overwatch league teams are going to be on board for that yeah definitely um i think it's really it's really key that they give Overwatch League teams the opportunity to watch those tournaments like off-season. And actually, I, th- I think most of the time Overwatch League teams are more focused on their actual season that the only scouting begins after the finals. For sure. So when the new season, before the new cool. season starts. Yeah, definitely. Like most of them run open tryouts then or do like, oh, we just pick up, like we just ask everyone from every contenders team and then evaluate or something. But if you have like these tournaments to actually watch and and maybe take notes already, then it will be faster for them to get their players and it will be faster for them to pick out who they would like to try and who's actually interesting, which makes it also more enjoyable for players to try out there. Because if you have like one of these massive open tryout, uh, open tryout sessions where you just have a few hundred players even and they are matched together like with different skill levels and um there's like masses players together with like super high gms and it's not enjoyable for the players either so having a really good like scouting ground i think is definitely key for those l teams to be precise and start building their roster and building their synergy very early on and i think it'll i mean we'll probably get this to a degree with with the like the showdowns the atlantic and pacific showdowns but once the the gauntlet comes around, another thing that I think is going to be really helpful is, is the key factor. Yeah, just like the different regions going against each other, because I think at the moment, yeah. like just going back to the hurricane versus uh, uh, runaway, like that would <laughs> that would honestly nobody be knows such... how it would actually pan out. Exactly, I, I almost wish that like we were just getting the gauntlet now, so we could settle this once and for all. Because who even <laughs> knows like what the rosters are going to look like around the time that. That yeah. gauntlets around. Hopefully, they're could be that both of our teams gonna be picked apart, and we're just mid tier. Then I don't know. That's true. Well, I think runaway. I have the master of mid tiers on my team, so I think a lot of the runaway players. I think there's <laughs> might be only like two that are they're even eligible to be picked up for for Owl this year. Um, QoQ yeah. and I forget it's either one of their two support players. I think, but um, mm-hmm. you guys are are poachable to use a very favorite community term. <laughs> yeah so again like the, the the regional play because at this point it's just there's a lot of speculation about like the the relative strengths about the the different metas that are played and it's so difficult to speculate you know which region is strongest because you have no like uh, admittedly i think runaway is a strong team but at the same time it's like i think that the top tier of eu so like you know hurricane giganti titans I think that you can make the case that there's a lot more parity there, like relative strength between the teams than there is with Runaway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who even is like the next best team in in Korea at the moment? It's like yeah. Element I Mystic beat them today, but there's... Had... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, you first. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think that there's... A, it's very questionable, like, what the the second, third, fourth best teams are in, in Korea at the moment. I mean, there's... Clearly, there's some players who are going to be leaving WGS, and they were always thought of to be like one of the better Sombra Goats teams. They've kind of tailed off this season. GC Busan Wave is a team who has like really, really good individual players. Edison, um, Fielder's a really good flex support. 
this season like they're just showing that they were a really good team in in the dive meta they have a lot of like individual player skill but just in terms Mm -hmm. of like coordination and communication they're lost this season they were a team that like i think everyone thought was going to probably be better than runaway honestly like going into season three of last year uh let's see who else like mvp space is nothing special o2 blast proper's a very very good player but he's really young and uh, aside from him like i don't think there's anything there there's some talk that some of their players might become an owl too so it's like Aside from Runaway, I really don't know that there's a lot of competition in Korea at the moment. And again, they lost today, but it's really hard to rate Runaway when so many of the other teams like just have no idea how... It feels like over the last two weeks, it's teams are only starting to figure out or, or craft potential counters to their 3-3. Whereas in EU, again, like I think that the upper crust of EU, it's just a lot more competitive, which I don't know if that actually means anything. I don't know if it tells us anything about which region's better. I just know that when I'm watching EU, it seems like it's a lot more competitive at the top. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things that always stands out in Europe is that there is these top three to four teams that are actually like very head-to-head all the time. It's mostly um, Titans, Titans, S, uh, Titans, S, and Giganti, which are the three uh, salary teams that are there since the beginning, basically. And there's always like there's always standout teams that come from the community that are unsponsored teams that always give us three a run for their money all the time. We're not talking about our dip in season two, so I'm just excluding that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, but but I, but I definitely think that we have like uh, I don't want to call it top heavy, but we definitely have a more distinctive puddle at the puddle at the top than the pyramids that most of the other regions have. Where, for example, in an A Fusion Uni is above everyone, or Runaway is uh, really, really good in uh, Korea. I guess we'll close it here then with, you know, going back to the Sideshow and Wolf thing. One of the, what are, I, what are your thoughts about the, like the perception of EU? Okay, so just to kind of just give a little bit of background here, I guess. EU has like since day one when not since they won really like 2018 contenders right the season that you season one when you won we started Mm -hmm. to see like a lot of you can call it like tank play which was a little bit before you know the goats meta actually came about and then there was sort of this perception that with season two and then season three i don't know how many people are actively watching eu it just gets talked about like it's this tank heavy region that I think this was further sort of this conversation was furthered with Paris coming into Overwatch League where the Eagle Gaming meme and everyone just assumes uh, Eagle Gaming was a really good 3-3 team. They're <laughs> we're bringing coaches over from EU to to Paris. Paris is going to be a really good GOATS team. Then that, you know, it continues to get talked about and, and there's like an echo chamber in the community with EU teams just play GOATS, they just play tanks. And in reality, what's really funny mm-hmm. about it is that I don't know how many people, how much time people invest into watching like the, what I'd consider to be like the top three regions of contenders. So NA, um, EU and Korea, Korea, people would probably want to throw China in there, but no one has any idea what the names of those comps are that they run. So we'll just exclude them for now. But EU clearly, like anybody who's watching these regions consistently over the last two seasons, maybe you can even extend that out to three. EU has by far the least amount of goats being played. And they also have like, there's a ton of, I don't know if you want to call it innovation, but there's at least a lot of like variety when it comes to the like DPS comps that they run. So like you guys, for example, like you have Danid, who is, you know, the Korean scene is going to get so angry with this, but like, I think Danid is probably everybody's good of a Doomfist player, which is, I don't even know if that matters anymore with how much he's been nerfed, but like Danid is everybody's <laughs> good of a Doomfist player is Sparkle, who everyone wants to tout as like the best Doomfist in the world. And you guys find ways to work. Danid's doom into like when you'll you'll play like triple and quad DPS comps with ball. Um, you play that. You have Haffy flexing the somber you were talking about and into Farah a lot. Um, you have, I mean, Suna and Sparker players who like we see, I don't know that they play it a ton, but we we do get to see them bring out Ash every once in a while. So how do you mm-hmm. usually like respond? That's just so long-winded, but how do you like what's your response to people <laughs> who like when you hear that you use like this one trick tanks, goats? region at this point at this point we're just gonna go with the meme because fighting it is not really it doesn't get <laughs> frustrating really like how frustrated point, are the yeah. players 
I mean, it 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 kind of started when when I think it was I think it was actually Contender season one when the meme kind of started where it was like you just play squad tank. Why don't you just pick Junkrat into it? Lol, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was the argument and a casters were making and then we then we did pretty well against the fusion uni with quad tank because we were actually like like funny story on the side we were sitting there in uh in the hotel thinking or like on in the venue thinking about what are we going to play against fusion uni when we play them and we all agreed on let's meme them on quad tank <laughs> because everybody was like yeah, but you always just play squatting and you can just counter it so easily. And we were like, yeah, we know we normally have other strats on these on these maps, but let's just go for quatting. So you mean just you actually quatting. ran like strats into them in comps that you hadn't even practiced? We have practiced them. Like we were versatile enough to have practiced quatting on maps to counter other um other EU teams that we wanted to play against because we sometimes try to match up if we think we are the better matchup. So, so they were like pocket um, strats, but maybe like not necessarily they like were your not, main strats. Yeah, the, it was basically like Quatang was the standard at the time, and we always liked to, like to go off standard a tiny bit. So yeah, we play standard on on many maps, and we can default back to it if we need to. But we also like to have these like nifty strats where we play triple DPS for first point on King's Row, or we play um. We play snipers on a map where you normally don't play them for a point or so. We we like to have those. Um, we had a strategy back in back in season one, or I think it was, it was not season one. I think it was the the other tournament, uh, the pit Overwatch pit, mm-hmm. where we had Bok playing Widow for the first attack on on Horizon. <laughs> we had quad DPS with one support and Bok on Widow. I demand <laughs> so more nice. Bok at Widow. <laughs> Can we see some Bucket Widow in the in the grand he, finals? He, he got picks. He got picks. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you. As long as Seb doesn't play Widow, I'm totally fine with anything. Um, the community <laughs> demands Bucket Widow. <laughs> probably, Nox, if you're listening, probably, please make but, it happen. Uh, <laughs> it's nice. Uh, Buck sometimes switches to Tracer when we have like over overtime fights, which can be really funny at times. You guys are, um, but- your team's so much fun to watch again. Like, I feel so, it's it's really frustrating because admittedly, like, I didn't really watch as much um, EU, like, in early 2018. There was just, at that time, like, I, I was really into, like, the Korean scene. I was still following that because of well, the meme Apex days. But there were, like, still so many players who, in, in Korea, who were, like, really well-known, who weren't of age yet to get into Overwatch mm-hmm. League. And I think, like, I spent so much time watching that and of course like you have to ruin your sleep schedule in order to actually consume that and so like (laughs) i would just always be asleep whenever like na and e would be on so going back and watching it though and like so frustrating from my point of view to listen to like and i get it like a lot of the conversation is a joke and it's funny like when you have sideshow and wolf and to this day like i still don't I, I know Wolf is like very, as he should be, protective of the EU scene because he spent so much time there. And I love Wolf. Korean, you mean? Uh, uh, the uh, Korean scene. And yeah. I think that he was just, like, part of that felt like a joke to me. It was almost like he was he was writing that because he wanted it to become a pasta. I know that he probably believes that, or he, he deep down, I'm sure he thinks that the, the Korean scene is better. The way he wrote that was funny. And I think when, like, Sideshow and Wolf are talking about it and going at each other, it's really funny. It's when like it is. the re- like I was oh my god I don't even know why but like I was reading Reddit this morning I don't even know how Shoes Money Crew got into this like they got somehow <laughs> for, dragged into for this. them right <laughs> yeah um it's just yeah it's frustrating and I wish more people would like hopefully now that the you know the the finals are coming up and like in NA you have the actual playoffs starting and the schedule's mm-hmm. a little bit more focused. It's not as demanding. So you can kind of pick and choose. You can come in and watch like the, since they're like the really important games, you don't have to tune in for, if you're like NA, like four games a night and then four games on the Wednesday, right? Or with like EU, you know, the two games Thursday, two games Friday, like you can just pop in, tune in for one, the grand finals. I hope that people will watch it. Cause again, the EU scene, it's, it gets memed on a lot, but it, there are like a lot of really good players there, especially like in the like the top half of the the table and I think that this this final is going to be really good. So just so everyone remembers, Contenders EU final next Friday, May 3rd. 
to 8 p.m european no time. one cares about eu like I, i'm pushing the eu scene but we're gonna go any <laughs> oh. two eastern 11 pacific what's the eu time again eight nobody cares about eu is time. it like kelvin scale what do you guys use <laughs> centigrade any of that bs you are the only <laughs> the only bubble that uses other stuff like other um measurements than the rest of the world you are not allowed Admittedly, to talk. I know we are the it's worst. It's 8 p.m. CEST. You heard it. 8 p.m. C what is it? That, that CEST. Central European Summertime. Listen to Nuki. It's 8 something Europe. Thank you so much for <laughs> coming on. I really appreciate it. Any shouts or anything? Where can we find you on Twitter? It's it at I'm guessing at Nuki. It's simply at Nuki. You can find me almost everywhere with at Nuki. Um Definitely shout out to my awesome staff who helped me um who helped me like make these players great again. Make these um, players great again. <laughs> make these players great again. That needs to be on and a hurricane. If anybody, if anybody wants to contact me about any of my players, have like summaries of their of their attitude, behavior, playstyle, whatever you want to know about them, I can tell them what socks they're wearing. Like I know Hafi has banana socks and they're pretty cute. So <laughs> Let me know. Slide in DMs. I'm I'm selling you two for one if I need to. Thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. Good luck to um to you and the and your staff, Hurricane players next week. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do these podcasts all the time. <laughs> Bye. A big thank you for everyone who tuned into this week's episode. Once again, also thanks to Nuki for joining. We'll be back again next week. Late. <laughs>